Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The One Up Project podcast. I am here with Jack today. Um, and I am so excited. We just did one um, all about me, which was quite different, and I really enjoyed that. So now we're going to do one all about Jack. Uh, so hi, Jack. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hey, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. That's all right. Um, so we're going to talk to Jack about his career, how he sort of got here, um, what he knows and has learned, and a bit of... Uh, probably just to give us a bit of knowledge around um, what we don't already know about what he does. So, Jack, I'll let you introduce yourself, but you're a mortgage advisor and how does that all work and how did you get into that? Yeah, so um, my name's Jack Windler and I, I work at the uh, mortgage supply company. So, mm-hmm. as Sarah said, I'm a mortgage advisor and what a mortgage advisor is is basically um, the middle person and gets to help uh, customers uh, buy homes. So instead of going direct to a bank, you use someone who can actually use advice uh, and I can get more into the depths of that but I got into uh, and, you know, made every post a winner to keep proving him wrong, which was a motivator, but that only lasts a certain amount of time, Have I think, having negative motivations. Yeah. So it comes to a point where that tires you out, and that's when I knew I needed to pivot. So I started looking into other avenues like recruitment or other banks or other things with kind of similar uh, management skill sets and things like that. But, yeah, this was, you know, the, the pathway that I kind of chose. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And so what are the, like, what is a mortgage advisor? What do they do and yep. why would we need one? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, to, yeah, what is a mortgage advisor? It is a middle person. It is. So if you take as an example, I think it's better to kind of flowchart almost is that if you're wanting to buy a house, your first thought usually is to go to the bank. You deal with a person in the bank, you get that outcome. Whereas going through an advisor or a broker, you're working with someone who has actually can give you advice and expertise across every lender and every bank. So I take one person's situation and I'm a problem solver and a matchmaker. I see it as a matchmaker. So you say you want a house, you want this is you know, how much you want to buy it for, this is what your deposit is. Well, then I go through the range of options and during the meeting I'm already narrowing it down, but, you know, go back to my desk and I'm, you know, there's blue banks, there's, you know, red banks, yellow banks, you know how it goes, purple yeah. banks, they've all got different, but they're so, so unique and there's so many nuances that people don't understand, which is my job to understand. So, you know, whether they like this type of industry for self-employed people or this amount of deposits necessary, I go and find you the right solution. And what can often happen, and I think especially in this market right now, where uh, getting funding is actually a lot harder than people probably realise is that all the banks are behaving really erratically and just chopping and changing what they do. So you might walk into, you know, your blue bank that you've been with since you were a baby, or if you're in Auckland, it might be, you know, ASB or whatever it is, and you might feel a loyalty to them, and you're going to sit down and you're going to tell them what they want, and whatever outcome they give you is what you're going to get. They've, they've got no kind of different options or control as to um, how to help you. They just know one thing, and that's, I work for this bank, so I can give you this. Mm. And they're employed by the bank. I think another important thing is that we are independent. So I work um, with a small business who operates independently. So we are unbiased, unbiased solutions. Yeah. Um, does, that, does that answer? Do you? Yeah, no, that's definitely. Cool, cool. And so, yeah, like you're saying, the, those benefits there, you're independent to the banks. And mm-hmm. so you can come to people with a range of options options rather yep. than just like a one-stop shop kind of option. Exactly. And it it's about... You know, I think a lot of the time you can just kind of do what's right in front of you and you stop there and you, but what, 
I really am keen on is to understand goals and future plans. And that you don't have to be like someone, I'm going to own 20 investment property. You could just be, I just want to own this home and pay down the debt. Well, I can actually give you the advice on how to get it done. I am, you know, I've got um, the qualifications as a, as a mortgage advisor to actually work with your goals. Whereas when I was in the bank, it was very limiting and all the bankers are the same as that. You go, oh, what do you want to do to the customer? Oh, I don't know. What, sh- what can I do? Oh, you can fix it or you can float it. Okay, done. Whereas, you know, I can really get that depth and that, other side of things is okay. So, how what what budget do you want to work with, or how much do you want to put towards it, or should we? There's different options, and and it can get, you know, over a podcast is not enough time, but it's it can get complex. But then that's my job to narrow it down so that there are really good solutions made easy for you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, cool. And so, uh, when would a person seek out a mortgage advisor? Yeah, I think um, it's never too early to seek um, one out. If 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 you come across as a as a client and you go. I want to buy a house, you know, you have that thought, it's just sparked in your head. Well, then that's even a time then to get in touch, and you know, because by the time you're ready to do it, let's say it's within two years' time, there's all that time that could be wasted with you putting your attention on the wrong thing so that when we do, when you thought the time was right to meet or just before you're going to buy your house, you may have missed out on things you should have done, you know, was your um, savings plan enough or um, were you, you know, was were you doing things in your account that, the banks aren't going to like or whatever it is, but the earlier you can get onto it, if it is a sparked goal, it takes 15, it might only be a 15-minute chat that we just quickly run through my top tips or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but I think there's no re- no harm in coming early. Yeah, okay, that's really good to know. So someone who maybe is sitting, listening to this, mm-hmm. thinking, yeah, I want to purchase a home one day, I've, I've got savings or whatever, but I'm not really sure what else to prepare or where to go from here, then yeah. they could then at that time seek out a mortgage advisor and, and have a chat to you. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't say that everyone would be keen on those sort of conversations, but I'm yep. young, um, you know, I, I'm 24, so I understand my peers and the journey they need to go on because I'm going through it myself is that, you know, it, it, it's not a waste of time for me because I know that one day we'll, we would make something happen. So I know that if I can help you today, we'll help each other. And that's the mutual understanding that we are in business, but I can help you now, which is going to pay dividends for the future mm. for you. Um, because I've seen people that have want, you know thought about doing this for so long and they get to the moment and they've got to wait another six months because the steps they took during that time weren't enough. Yeah. Or they were making the wrong decisions, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And is there such a thing as a right, right mortgage yeah. advisor? And how do you seek out the right one for you? Yeah, I think, look... There are a lot of good people in this industry that do it. I won't um, try and say that I'm the only person that you should talk to. I, I make, you know, I'm in an office with plenty of them as well. But I do th- also have a real understanding that not all advisors are cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. That when I was working in the bank, we also dealt with advisors from the inside, looking outwards as well. So I've got that perspective. Is that yeah, there are the right kind of advisors, maybe. So I think if you're looking for someone, you're looking for someone that shares values with you. So whether that's, you know, that person, you're a caring person, you want a caring person, or whether, you know, you're, you're looking for someone to resonate with. And I think another thing is to look at what value can you actually see from the outside looking in, like, cause, because it's a trust exercise, um, I think, because you're trusting in me, or if it's another advisor, you're trusting in them to, to make your goals happen. So what, before you actually meet them, can you see to show their expertise or that they're a person you like? So I do believe like looking at the content or looking at their online presence or whether you've been referred to them, do you trust that referral? You know, what do you know beforehand? Rather than just um, maybe just Googling mortgage advisor and the first link you see, you mm. go for it. You know, there's because you want them on a journey, I think you wanna 
although you might think oh, I'm going to get the home loan and I'm away, well, look, there's a lot more to it. You know, when your home loan comes up for renewal, it's about reviewing that and making sure you take the next steps and the next steps. So um, it's take someone on your journey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And we sort of touched on this a little bit earlier, but mm-hmm. I guess just to really simplify it for people, can you use a mortgage advisor to simply just analyse your current financial position in terms of buying a first home or are they only used when you sort of had that sorted out? Like can you guide someone through the process to save towards a first home? Absolutely. And I think it, look, yeah, we talked about this a little bit. I probably maybe answered that question wrong. But what what I think is that someone who cares about you that far in advance might be the right person for you as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, if someone came to me and said, Jack, I want to do it, then I'd talk to them around, okay, is your KiwiSaver, what are you doing? I can't give that advice, but I've been, I've, I know that product can send them in the right direction to make sure they're not in a bad default fund or that they do right. know what they're contributing or whatever, or even are they contributing as a first home buyer? Do they understand? how the grants work, you know, all those just little things that um, all add up because there's so many little one percenters when you're buying a house that you might not know. You might go, well, I've got a, I've got a nice deposit. I've got, let's say, 10% and I've got a job. Well, there's, there's a lot more that goes under the surface. So if you can kind of be, it's almost like grooming you into the, to the process and you take them, it's a nurturing thing for first home buyers because it is scary. It's your first time. Um, so no, I'm, I'm more than happy. I won't speak for other people whether they <laughs> take people that far okay. in advance, but that's just me. Okay, cool. That's good to know. And do you personally see many young people, maybe 20 to 25 years mm-hmm. old, coming through to purchase property these days? Yeah, and I think it's happening more and more. The really cool thing that I'm seeing is that over the last two years, I've seen a massive increase in um, people looking beyond what the Herald has to say or what stuff has to say. You remember that big time where it was all smashed avocados, this, smashed avocados, yeah, yeah, yeah. that, right? <laughs> and, it, yes. and, and But it genuinely was scared scare tactics in my in mm. my opinion and millennials went into their showers going oh, I'm never going to be able to achieve that totally whereas I think there's a lot more now and look I don't want to sound a bit corny but you're creating a platform where you're making things approachable I listened to your last episode around buying your first home and I know that's going to resonate with some list, with, a, with a lot of listeners that something like this is achievable so the more that people can show the way you know kind of people will, will gravitate towards it so that's what I'm loving at the moment is that social media used positively or media used positively creates a, the opportunity so yeah a lot more 20 to 25 because yeah they probably can see it being achievable through other people's eyes yeah yeah definitely and what are some common mistakes or negative patterns that you've seen amongst young buyers yeah, the big one's probably account conduct. So the account conduct means basically if I was to, because what I do is I pull up all your statements and I have to go through with a highlighter, like you, what you did with your your own situation. But yeah. I go in through and go, look, okay, income comes in, what goes out, what's saved, what's what's um, spent over and above. So when we're looking at that, we're, that's telling a story. So we might meet for half an hour, an hour, and I get to know you, but there's a lot that you won't say that I'll learn about you through that. So, And I'm only doing it because I'm here to help, whereas the bank's, can sometimes be looking for reasons to say no. Mm. So if you're going, for example, above your credit card limit and going in you know, further than that, or if you've got an overdraft that never gets back to its balance because, and you don't have savings in other accounts, whatever it is, it's all telling a story. So I think the sooner you can understand that the statements paint a picture, the better. So tips could be um, that you just make sure that you stay within your limits or if you don't need an overdraft, don't use it or... Mm. You know, you don't want gambling through it or things like that. They look at those habits massively. So there's just things like that, keeping tidy, would be my biggest common mistake I see from first-home buyers. Yeah. I think, like, leading on from that, what are are some things that you know for sure that banks look at? So if you 
have mm-hmm. overdraft or a credit card balance or yep. like heaps of afterpay or lay-by, those sorts of things. So they look at all of that. And do they look at what you're actually purchasing or? Um, to a degree, if there's, look, it, it, it's, it, it's a bit judgy, like in all honesty, because they're going, okay, we're going to give you this money. Are we happy with the character of this person? And if your money's through the pokies or through, um, you know, Sky City all the time, or there's a, it looks like a liquor issue. Like right. I, I've seen people make, even if they've had income through the wazoo, I've seen it declined from, yeah. and and I might not always agree with reasons, but there, it is a, it's a person at the other end at the bank making a decision about you. So um, after pay, for an example, I think if you've got really good savings in another account and the habits are disciplined, but you like it from a, maybe a cash flow perspective to do it over time. I don't think it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But what I think banks look at poorly is if it's lots of afterpay and you're not also saving, yeah. you're actually relying on it because you need to get to the next payday. Mm. Um, I mean, if there's a little bit through the accounts, there's a lot that, you know, they understand. Or if there's a life event, they understand. But it's when it's habitual because yeah. they're then going, okay, if that's the, what they're doing now, what are they going to do when there's a, an obligation to us? Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And... When people are in the early stages of wanting to purchase a home, mm-hmm. um, so they know they 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 want to, but they're not sure when. What are the things that we should have prepared, or we should be thinking about? Yeah, so um, I think a really nice principle to start with when you're um, oh, is get educated. Actually, mm-hmm. just actually, actually take the time to get educated. So I'm a big fan. My favorite cliche is to drive your own bus. Okay, so you're the bus driver, but you get the right passengers on board. So, you know, you're listening to this podcast. Okay, Sarah's part of your bus. Okay, you know, whether you pick an advisor like myself or someone else, that advisor is a passenger on your bus, but you're driving it. So you're steering it in the direction and just picking up the right people along the way who are going to help you to your goal. So build your team and get educated. So I think, and I think getting educated is a lot easier now than it once was. So for Mm. example, we're on a platform right now, which offers a lot of value um, there's YouTube, there's companies that do seminars or there's um, examples like the First Home Buyers Club, Sorted. You know, those resources are getting better, but they've got to be used mm. and you've got to get them from trusted sources as well. So, yeah, picking your passengers on your bus and then getting educated my first two steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. And are there any, I guess, maybe leading into the next mm-hmm. question a little bit, what is the basic criteria to purchase a first home and so is there a goal amount of money that we should be having and all those sorts of things yeah so look you can buy with a five percent deposit and the bank can give you 95 percent lending it is on paper allowed to happen okay now my big thing is that just because you can do something doesn't mean it's right for you so I guess aiming for 10% of whatever you want to own. Now, that can be hard because you may never, you may have no idea what a property's worth or whatever, mm. but if you just jump onto Google and trade me and realestate.co.nz, you can get a bit of a picture as to an entry level. So let's say you're in Auckland and 600K is your, 600,000 is your property. I think aiming for 10% of that right now with what's going on in the world with COVID-19 and, you know, whether we get into a recession or whatever, is just having that nice little buffer of 10%. Um, which may take some people out of the picture for a little bit, but it just gives you a little, because what happens, and the reason why I say that is if, you know, things go backwards, so we imagine that property prices always increase, that's what we're always told. Mm. But right now we're going through a tough time and we don't know what the effects of that is. So if you're only putting a 5% deposit in and things move back 5%, all of a sudden you owe the bank the same amount as your property's worth. Mm. So if you have to sell it, 
you're probably going to make a loss because then you have to pay a real estate agent fees as well and interest costs and whatever it is. So just having a nice little buffer. So that's not to discourage anyone out there. I just think if you're aiming for 10%, you're, you're in the right track. Yeah. Okay, cool. And do you think investing in property is something that all Kiwis should aim to do in their life? And that is like, I guess everyone holds having like buying a home or having property in quite a high regard. Is that something that we should all be aiming for in your opinion? Look, I think it's a really good vehicle for people to um, invest in. And when I say invest, if you buy your own home to live in, that is an investment. If you've put in 10% of a 600,000, you've put 60,000 of your own money. So it is an investment regardless of whether you live it. But it's, it doesn't have to be for everyone. Um, I'm very realistic that there are other means to create long-term wealth. You know, you can have your KiwiSaver that works for you or shares or being in a business that, you know, creates you a, a dividend or, or, you know, a shareholder salary, all those sort of things. So, But in terms of a, a tried and true uh, example of long-term wealth, I think property is a very, very good vehicle for that. And I've and I've watched through, a, you know, my five years and what I've been doing, I've watched through a lot of other people's eyes and it worked for them mm. very, very well over a long period of time. Yeah. And from that, I suppose, what are the trends that you usually see when investing in property? Is it you're guaranteed to make money back when you sell it eventually? And like how long should you keep if you're wanting to, I guess, create that wealth long term? Yeah, so I mean, look, we're, as a business, we predominantly work with investors, which, um, and a lot of, sorry, a lot of first home buyers that then want to turn into investors. So we see a lot of investors who basically want to do this over a long period of time. They're not looking to buy and then sell in two to three years or five years. Um, it is, the goal is to hold it for as long as possible, 20, 30 years. And that's, where they don't rely on capital gains. So capital gains is when basically the value of your property, you know, increases without you touching it. But they 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 know it's going to happen because of the natural cycles. So I think you can create wealth through not doing much at all with property mm. um, is a really good step. And that's what we see a lot of people do. And the other thing is it's an it's an asset which is actually paying you. So if you place tenants into it, you're getting a weekly return on your investment. There's not many products um, that give you a weekly return on an investment and mm. The other good thing about property is that it, you can use leverage. So leverage using um, doing a lot with a little. So you're using the bank's money, for example, to create a long-term investment like property or to get a return on it per week. You're using someone else's money to create your wealth. It's quite good like that. Um, so you can get, let's say you own your own home, right, and you get to a stage you pay down some debt and you create what's called equity. So that's when you've, you know, whatever you, um, the value of it, um, you know, minus the the lending, you then can redraw it so you can borrow against your home again to then pay for a, the deposit on the new home. And then we go and ask a bank to fund the rest of it. So you could own another home with 100% lending on it and all of a sudden you've put nothing into it really and you're getting a weekly return. And if you buy well, you make sure that what you've paid for it um, and what your weekly return is is that you're getting more than what the, the mortgage is every week and it's paying for itself. You know, there's not many invest. I hope that makes sense. No, I'm does. trying to simplify yeah. it as much as possible. But there's not many investments out there that you can do that. So I think leverage is one of the best things about property investment. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I, I feel like I haven't heard that perspective, so it's interesting yeah. to hear that as well. And with um, another buzzword, unprecedented times hey. that have been upon us recently. Yep. Uh, what are some changes that you've seen in the market currently that will be um, benefit potential buyers because I know that you speak um, a lot about the changes and stuff on your podcast which mm-hmm. we'll go into soon mm-hmm. um, but I suppose yeah just recently what are some changes that you've seen 
Yeah, what I've seen, look, since COVID-19 happened, um, the banks got panicky and became a bit erratic. So, you know, one week they'd behave like this and their favourite colour was, I don't know, they, or they liked ice cream and the next week they liked pizza. Like, what do you, if that makes sense, is that they were chopping and changing. So what it made it really hard for potential buyers is there was no consistency. So especially if you're going direct to a bank and not using the advice process, you have not a clue what's going on because they barely had a clue during that time. Right. So they also started pulling back from a risk point of view. So if things got tight in an assessment, um, you know, uh, and things were close, they were very quickly to opt out and go, no, nah, not right now, let's wait. Mm. Um, so it made it tough and it made it tougher for buyers to get credit. So it, Although rates are really low right now, the access to the credit is still not the best. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's one of been one of the major changes. The other change that happened is that so loan to value ratio or LVR is basically how much are you allowed to borrow against the value of your property, right? Those rem- rules have been removed for the next uh, twelve months. There'll be about ten months to go, and what that means is those deposit requirements are different. But what happened also is that the banks didn't really adopt it. So they thought, you know, so people were saying, oh, we're going to get 100% mortgage or if we're an investor, we'd be able to, um, against one property or we'd be able to, yeah, do that. So that didn't really kick into effect. So I think it gave a lot of people false hope. Um, yeah, so those are the major changes, loan-to-value ratio and the banks tightening up. But I think what it then leads into, and sorry to keep going on, but no, no. Um, what it meant is the value for a good mortgage advisor has never been higher. And I, I know that's really tough because it's biased because I'm in the industry now. But if I look at it from when I'm in my when I was in the bank and from that perspective, it'd be really tough to be a really good lender in a bank right now because it's it's not easy and it's tough but when the bank above you is telling you one thing but the customer could go down the road and get something else. So right now we've got all the tools in the kit bag and we know how to get the job done, which is just a great thing for our industry because in Australia that's like I think it's like a fifty fifty split between if they go to bank or whether they get advice. Where in New Zealand I think we only go Maybe thirty percent. Maybe I, I'm I'm kind of rounding those numbers. Yeah, ballparking that. Where I think it's a disservice because there's no advice. There's no someone actually being able to tell you you can do this or working with you on your goals. So it's good for our industry. Mm, cool. And do you have any tips and tricks for those saving for a first time or or on their journey to do that? Yeah, no worries at all. So um, I actually listened to your compounding interest. I, I re-listened to it recently with um totally. Luke. Yeah, yeah, and. It's it's a really good one. So if you go back to episode one, it's yeah, I think it is. It, it yeah. is yeah, go back to episode one on this um, on the one up project and talk about compounding interest. So the sooner you start your journey, making the efforts with saving, the better. Because what happens is the bank's going to put money on top of that. Now we know that banks aren't maybe giving you as much as they used to, but it all adds up, mm. and your money's working for you. And the other point I really liked from it was the discipline he talked about. So Luke talks about. He had $500 a fortnight, one of his first jobs, and if he had to keep going, it would have got to about 160 k in, yeah. in the 10 years um, since he stopped. Well, that just shows you the effort of just doing something consistently. So um, if you can be consistent in your efforts to save for a deposit, it, it goes a long way. So that when you look back and look at when you bought, you can be proud of the efforts you made to get there. Mm. Um, and you know, the less we borrow from the bank for a first-home buyer is better because we get better rates and we be- get better terms and there's more options to go to. So, um, yeah, make efforts early, be disciplined, and if you don't aren't good with your money and that's absolutely fine to be and you're learning about it, I'd start looking at a bit of a budget just to get you on your way with automatic payments. Cool, that's awesome. And so lastly, let's talk about 
the pod that you <laughs> have created and maybe give us a bit of story, a bit of a story around that, why you've created it, what it is and um, how it's going to benefit my listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, look, it's the Jack Winler audio show. Um, it, yeah, couldn't come up with a creative title like yourself. <laughs> Actually, I never have a sleepless night, but this was the only time I no, had a sleepless names night are with so a name. Stressful. Yeah, they so are, I was thinking worst. like, oh, the twenty-something show or so, just something that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like specified my audience. But it just came around to it. I was like, oh, I, oh, I know, I know. It's going to be my uh, look. I if, feel you. I'm, I'm going to host it. Let's just get on with yeah. it. And actually, the content's <laughs> yeah. way more important than name. So yeah. yeah, it's the Jack Winler Audio Show. I've been going for one month. Ex- I think just about exactly. I think. Cool. It was, um, yeah, this time last month. Uh, so what I do is I basically talk about mainly property and home lending and mortgages. And then on the side, I'll try and, you know, I'll touch on, um, you know, people of interest in their stories and sharing that. Like we just interviewed you before and that was predominantly about yourself. Um, people that are doing some cool stuff and trying to use my connections in that way. And then what I do is I basically do weekly updates and that just gives you live kind of um, feed into what I'm doing, what I'm experiencing uh, through either its rates or whether it's bank behaviour or cool stories of successes or failures, whatever it is, and, you know, really kind of make it real. And then the other part of it is doing um, kind of like timeless pieces, so just content that will stand the test of time. So like if it's about how to build a deposit or uh, the good cliche of starting with your why, and then I'm going to build into, I mean, it's only just started, so it will be like what's a credit report, how does that work, or... Um, how does a bank work versus not a non-bank? So it'll be like that sort of mm. stuff, so just that generalised content. But I think for me, why I did this was that it was really similar to you in terms of like that realisation that there's not enough, there wasn't enough information going to school or you know coming out of a, how to get the stuff done. And home buying is just such a key feature in lots of people's lives. I'm not saying everyone wants to do it, but it's such a key feature. So how do I make that approachable? And I told you before my favourite cliche is... Um, you know, getting people to drive their own bus. Mm. Well, how can I expect people to drive their own bus if I'm not giving them the tools to do that? Yeah. So, of course, I want to be on people's journey, but I want them to drive their own goals so that when we get there, you know, they're the master, they're, they're in control of their destiny. Mm. You know what I mean? So I kind of had that, all right, so what are you going to do about it? So that's where this content, excuse me, came from. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think the, um, there's obviously so much value and I listen to every episode, but especially the um, weekly updates, even though sometimes I'm like, what is going on? Because um, <laughs> I need to educate myself. Oh, I probably got to get rid of I those still, jargons. In a- <laughs> <laughs> no, I still find it really valuable. And um, I think that is so key because it's hard sometimes to find just a generalised, summarised resource mm-hmm. of um, live uh, information. Yeah. So that's awesome, and I've Thank really you. been enjoying it. So such a good job on that, and will definitely benefit a lot of people. So check it out, guys. Jack Win the Audio Show on Spotify Podcast, I assume. Yep. yep. And um, yeah, so I guess that's all. Where can we find you? And thank you for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so th- no, you're so welcome. It's um, I actually didn't realize you were interviewing me. I got to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. You said, "Oh, I'll bring my mics." Why I'm interviewing you? And yeah. then I was like, "Oh, cool." So this is actually awesome. So thank you for having me. Um, I'm on Facebook, um, just Jack Winler. Instagram, Jack Winler again, um, and LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. There cool. we go. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. So welcome. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project and I'll catch you on the next one.